Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime. What's up, Lo? What's up, K-O-M-G? What do I'm you about have? to blow your mind. I'm going to blow your mind. Maybe not. I'm ready. But my mind was poof. Okay. You're, hy- you're hyping it up for me. So now I have to like, I'm like so too excited right now. You listen to Armchair, right? Yes. Okay. You know how Dax always does the, if you dare, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not Dax. That's Keith Wait, Larson. What? Shut up. Swear to God, I was trolling one of his uh, comments like on Instagram and somebody brought it up and he said, no, that's Keith Morrison when he came on. And I'm like, no way. And everybody's like, shut up. And we're just like, oh my God. So yeah, I'm like totally mind blown. Like, No, that is- you 100% just blew my mind because I don't, how many years have I been listening to him? Like three, like three years. I always thought that that was him. I did too. Well, he does impersonations. Like I he know, does- and like I feel like he was. Uh, I thought he was like trying to like, you know, impersonate that kind of like dark crime voice or whatever. Yeah, me that's, too. That's insane. So that's my what the what moment. Yeah, no, that you succeeded in blowing my mind. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it's like a cool mind blown, but yeah, I would have went all my life thinking it was a tax. Yeah, me too. If you never told me that, I probably would have literally never found out. It's kind of more cooler knowing that he's got Keith doing it for him. I know. I want him, I want Keith to come on and <laughs> do like something for us. Right. <laughs> we can't, he can't do the if you dare, because obviously that's already taken, but. HWC. Or is it? To be. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, got to be it. <laughs> so, sorry, I, I sound a little sniffly. I do have a cold, so bear with me, people. Also, it's going this, around, though. It is. I mean, school's back, so petri dishes are everywhere. True. Um, disclaimer. So, last week, if you listened, me and KK <laughs> were recording live from New York City at 1 a.m. That's what you would think, right? <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Uh, it'd be so much of a cooler story if that was the truth. But it was our grown man children playing GTA in the other <laughs> room. And we didn't realize that it was that loud until playback. And by that time. So, yeah. Thanks, Boneheads. Yeah. Definitely added a, a different ambiance than we were really going for. But what it can just, you do? Just be glad that we caught... Um, the noises at the very end that KK got to edit out. So you're welcome for that. Yeah, that would have uh, taken us on a whole other type of journey. We would be having a completely different conversation right now if I left. Totally different now. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's more we'd of a witty We'd get banned. <laughs> yeah, no, we would get banned off of it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, definitely important disclaimer there. <laughs> sorry, people. But hey, Maybe that will just, if they haven't gone and listened to it, maybe we just got some people to go back and listen because they want to hear what that's all about. Or we'll have people that have men, children that play video games as grown men and have the like seriously type feelings that we have. Oh yeah, I'm sure many of you can relate to that. So 
the story that I picked today, it's an old story, um, but it, it was around Halloween season, so I figured I would tell it. A lot of people might know it. A lot of people might not. It's another Michigan home story, so that's what I went with. It's fitting because the day this is coming out is the day before Halloween, so it's perfect. Okay, there you go. So. Good choice, Laurel. I would like to say it'd be uplifting for this season, but it's not. What I mean, what do we expect by now? You know, <laughs> can't expect positive things from us. <laughs> so this is going to be the story of Chelsea Brooke. It's October 2014 in Monroe, Michigan. The fall air is kicking in. It's Halloween. Everybody's in a hyped spirit around that time of year. I know I am. Definitely. Same year. In one, in one part of town, Big Mike is planning the biggest massive outdoor Halloween party like ever. Um, it's at Post and Williams Road in Frenchtown, which is also kind of like Newport. He usually expects up to... Anywhere from like 600 people up to 1,000 people will attend this party. They have multiple bands that come out and play. Um, they drink. They party. It's just a well-known thing around that time of year in that town. I want to go to Big Mike's party. What the heck? Sounds like a blast. Uh, <laughs> he lives on a farm, uh, farmhouse with his mom. So they have like a lot of acres out in like this country town. Dang, let's go. <laughs> come on, Big Mike. Well, let me finish the story. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how it turns out first. <laughs> so, on the other side of town, French Town area, which is like a little village inside of Monroe, uh, we have Chelsea Brooke and her best friend Becky Brinson, who are friends. They're also co-workers. They work at Olga's. Ugh, the snackers, so good. That's hilarious. I passed in Olga's today, and I literally thought about the snackers. Are you serious? I'm not uh, even I'm not even kidding. Ding ding ding. Right. So they spent hours at work talking about Big Mike's Halloween party. This would be this would not be the first time partying there. So they really didn't have any worries about that night. Chelsea was super excited, not only for the party, but for the big reveal of her costume. Becky and Chelsea were going as besties couple matching costumes as Batman villains. And Chelsea chose Poison Ivy. She took a plain green leotard and she sewed on pieces of fake Poison Ivy leaves onto the entire thing. It took her like months to make this costume because she hand stitched everything herself. She found a maroon wig that was kind of like a maroon purple color on top. And then the tips were more of a brighter red. So it looked like the real wine color. And then she slapped on some red lipstick and carried around a jug of red wine. And it was like the most perfect fit costume. She looked so good. So Chelsea, Becky, and their friend Penny Watkins. Penny is about 10 years older than Chelsea, but they got along super great. They had a great bond. Penny had four kids, so she was really looking forward to going out and having some drinks, having that mom night out. Now, Chelsea, she was 22. She was from the small town of Maybe, which is also a small village in Monroe. 
she was the youngest of five. She was the baby girl, and she still lived at home with her parents. Penny states that she loved hanging out with Chelsea. It made her feel young. They always laughed and giggled, and they were just having the best time at the party, drinking and letting life go, just being free and having fun. At this time, it's about a little bit after midnight, Mike decided that he's going to wrap it up by having a big, huge bonfire. So he made the flames about 10 to 15, 20 feet tall. When I say bonfire, I mean, like, it's huge. Ginormous. Yes. The three of them start to walk over to the bonfire, and Chelsea happens to run into the pole from one of the tents. Now, however, it didn't really bleed, but it did leave a mark, like, on the bridge of her nose. And she clearly was in some pain. She stated that she just wanted to call it a night. She was aggravated. She was hurt. She was just over it. The girls convinced her that it'll be okay. Give it a few minutes. The pain will go down. You know, just told her to have a couple more drinks. So let's just try to have some fun. It's now about 1 a.m. And Penny's sister has to work the next morning. So she's saying she has to go. Unfortunately, Chelsea has given her phone to Becky because she had no pockets. And Penny, Becky, and Chelsea, they kind of got like split up during the party. They couldn't find where Chelsea went. And Penny was like, you know, I got to go. But, you know, I'm sure she knows people in the community. She's got other friends here. So she wasn't really too concerned how Chelsea would get home. Very clearly, she did not expect the turn of events to turn out how they did. She claims not looking for Chelsea harder and making sure she had her and was taking care of her better than what she did will be the biggest regret of her life. Becky also couldn't find Chelsea. She wasn't sure what to do. She didn't want to get stuck at the party, but she also knows she has Chelsea's phone. So she couldn't call her to see, you know, where she was and if she had a ride. Or did she already go home with somebody? This actually really makes me sad because we all have those friends who get drunk and they go home with someone and you don't think twice about it. You're just like... <laughs> bye have fun <laughs> like right i mean i guess i don't know if people still still do that now i'm lame i do not go to the bars like i used to because I'm, I'm married and a mother now so it's not as cool but um they definitely still do it i remember going with my group of friends before we were married before kids i had friends that would like we'd all go together and then she'd be like you know, I'll catch you later, wink, wink, you know, and you're like, all right, right, hugs, kisses, be safe, see you in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, because it just seems like a normal thing, especially if they do it like regularly. Yeah. So but, like, I mean, really, you never know what could happen and who they're going with and what's actually going on. Yeah, it was never safe, but whatever. <laughs> right. Um, But this is where I always say you know what buddy system is powerful and just like communicate stay together don't break up go to the bathroom together stay in contact like I don't know for me like anything can get fucked up so quickly these days even if like me and you went to the bar and you said hey I gotta pee like 
okay, either we're going to go together or it's a close enough bar that I can see the bathroom door. And if you're not back in five, I'm coming to get you. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also want to put a disclaimer out there that I'm not blaming her friends or pointing fingers in any way. The only person to blame in this story is the villain. And we haven't gotten there yet. It is the morning after and Penny is up having conversations with her family about how great the party was, how much fun she had. It was nice to just get out with her girlfriends and have a fun night. Becky is at her house and she's texting Chelsea's mom to let her know that she had Chelsea's phone. And when Chelsea's available, she can pick it up. She'll be home all day. The two young ladies had no idea what had just happened. It wasn't until later that evening when Becky got a Facebook message from Chelsea's sister stating that Chelsea has yet to make it home from the party. Becky replied with, oh, she's probably just sleeping it off at a friend's house. I'm sure she'll be in touch soon. She probably got up eight and like hung over, went back to bed. It wasn't until Monday morning when Chelsea still had not made any contact with anybody or had come home. Her family started to contact anybody and everybody that Chelsea was in contact with. They even got a hold of Big Mike and asked him about his party, if Chelsea was there, if she saw Chelsea, like, have you seen her? Did she leave with somebody? Mike's real name is Mike Williams. He lives on his mother's farm. That's where he hosts the parties. So when Chelsea's family first reached out to him, he wasn't sure who Chelsea was, but he agreed to go walk the property to look for, well, he wasn't sure what he was looking for, but he was going to look like, was she passed out somewhere? Was she stuck? Was she, you know, just anything? So Mike got his dog. They walked about a couple miles around the property. His dog accidentally got caught in a fox trap and injured its leg and Aww. started breeding so abruptly that he had to turn around and get his dog back to the house because he had to take it to an emergency vet. That's so sad. It is. Upon returning to the property, Mike runs into Chelsea's mom, and she wasn't exactly like in the mood to do nice talk or small talk. She was more panicky, worried about her daughter. So, I mean, she pretty much just got straight to the point when she said, Mike. And he excused himself and said that he had to take his dog to the vet, that he'd be back. Well, the time he got back, she had already had, like, tents set up, porta-potties, research team, like, all over the property looking for Chelsea. Now, in one of the interviews, Mike says that he called his lawyer because he didn't know what to do. And he asked, like, are they really allowed to do that? Like, what do I do? And he was like, well, you know, I would just kind of let him, like, do their thing, you know, sooner or later, they'll probably just leave. Now I get it. It's Mike's property or his family's property. And if he is a hundred percent innocent, like he says, then just let them do their thing. Like be a little compassionate. People are scared and worried and, However, it's not his fault that he hosted the party and this happened, but it was his party and his property. So they can't really be faulted that they're looking on his property. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like it also makes him look not innocent in the situation if he's 
kind of reacting in that way because yeah like have some compassion for this family who's missing their daughter like obviously they're gonna want search teams out in the area where she went missing yeah i mean her sister was out there she's a sister she's a daughter she's you know a cousin a friend you know what i mean like um so i just i don't know i feel like there should just been a little bit more patience not like i'm gonna call my lawyer and see if i can get these people off her property you know what i mean yeah yeah absolutely it doesn't look great either for passive buyers but just let it play out right mike did say that there could have been a little bit of suspicion towards him or you know again like everybody's a suspect right so on tuesday uh penny gets wind that chelsea still hasn't made it back and she's just in shock like what do you mean she's not back and they also have to let becky know and again chelsea has not made a home and nobody's heard from her and becky can't believe it either at this point the girls are just hoping that she's somewhere on the farm um, maybe just like I said, caught in something, or she was just waiting for somebody to find her, or she's just passed out, or just something stupid that they can just like find her and bring her back. Thinking of all the positives and everything not negative, you know. Chelsea's mom gets a hold of Mike again and asks, Do you have her? And is she in your basement? Is she in your trailer? Is she in your barn? Like, if you have her, please just tell us, please. And Mike is like, I'm out here helping you. I don't have her. I'm not the guy. Which, okay. Again, cut her a little bit of slack. She's a very nervous mom. Second of all, everybody's a suspect right now. Um, so I wouldn't take it too personal you know right you would expect that from any mom when their daughter's missing yes and you wouldn't be the first guy that like has a chick in the trunk and then turns around and helps look for her right definitely not the first and sadly not the last Penny is making Facebook flyers and putting them all over Facebook. Have you seen Chelsea? Please help find her. Please bring her home. Any information that would be helpful. They have volunteers, um, people from the community. Everybody's just out. Everybody's working together, searching everywhere and anywhere for Chelsea. Just bring her home. Her sister states that Chelsea was, if Chelsea was able to come home, she would have been home by now. Which, when she said that, it kind of made me feel like she's already thinking the worst. Like, Right. Which is kind of sad. Chelsea's mom states that she had known that his states that if she would have known that the party was that big and that many people, 22 years or not, Chelsea would not be going to that party. No way. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, girl, it's going to be hard to rein that girl in at 22 years old, okay? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Especially when there's a baby. She was going to go to that party. Like, right. So the Grove Police Department got involved, and they're helping out with the search and investigation. But the problem is, how do you investigate six to 800 people in disguises or costumes? That's going to be very difficult to do. And that's like a needle in a haystack, you know, like. Lots of people to look into. 
even the band was dressed up as Ninja Turtles. I mean, <laughs> so the irony is also that Chelsea stated before she left the house that she told her mom she didn't, really didn't want to be gone that long. She was just going to go have a drink or two. She wasn't going to stay long. She'd be right back. The two detectives working on the case reached out to friends and family and they started talking to whoever they could. It was just difficult all the way around. You know, they go and learn about Chelsea, her personality, the basic stuff. You know, she's the baby of the family. She's America's sweetheart. Um, her parents are pretty lenient with her. She was a good girl, never gotten in any trouble. She didn't drive, so she doesn't have a car. Uh, they looked at like either guys that she dated or guys that she was interested in, but there was nothing really that deep on either side. And the guys that she dated, they weren't there. They had alibis. Like everything was pretty cut and clean pretty quick with them. Um, at this point, about a handful of people, around six people come to the police station. They give what little information they knew. Things like they saw her crying, um, saying that nobody could give her a ride home, saying she was cold, she was tired. They did say that there was a few people that let her use her phone. She didn't try calling her mom for some reason, which I feel like at that point, I probably would have just been like, F and I'm calling my mom, you know? Right. But who knows why she felt she couldn't. Um, but she called Penny and Penny said she was already home and she claimed that she'd just been drinking and she didn't think she should drive back out. Penny claims that she didn't sound very desperate over the phone, so she really didn't think much more of it and basically just apologized saying, sorry, I can't come get you. Now, again, I've tried really hard not to be upset with Penny because I get it that she has enough regret for the rest of her life and it's going to eat her up and I feel bad for that. But it makes me so sad that it turned out like this because she drove her sister home, which I'm kind of confused. Like, why couldn't she turn around and drive back and get Chelsea if she drove her sister home? Right, like, should she take more shots when she got home? Yeah, that's, I'm not sure. And then, like, if her sister had to work that early in the morning, I would have been like, you knew we were coming out. Like, I'm sorry, we have to find Chelsea. Like, you'll be fine. You're going to be tired right. tomorrow, but you'll be fine. Like, I'm not leaving without Chelsea. Like, end of story. Yeah, especially if she's asking for a ride. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if Penny was the original. If she was the driver in the beginning, then should she have been the DD? Like, did she start drinking? I don't know. So I'm trying not to judge. But some of it, I guess I'm just thinking, like, if it was you and, you know, one of your friends did you dirty like that, yeah, I'd be pissed off. <laughs> like, right. And if it was yeah. me... And I'm DD, then I'm DD. Or if we leave, go there together, we are leaving together. I'm not leaving until I find you. End of story. Right. Yeah. So I know especially it's if critical. like you call. Yeah. And I'm not trying to sound critical. I know I do, and I'm probably gonna get people hating on it for it, but I can't help it. I feel what I feel, you know. Right. 
I mean, I feel the same way. Like, obviously, again, that's just how it worked out. It's not, you know, there's no, like, necessary blame on Penny or, like, anger towards her. It's just unfortunate how everything turned out. Yes. And I just feel it was like, I don't know. I'll just stop there. It's just sad. <laughs> it's sad for Penny. Yeah. It's sad for Chelsea. Nobody won. Nobody won in this situation. You know, everybody's suffering. Yeah. So um, now we have a mother who calls the police station and states that her son might have saw something. Her son says that he remembers seeing Chelsea at the party around 3.30 a.m. And there was a straggly guy that was kind of hovering around Chelsea, but he was kind of like on the impression that they knew each other, but he didn't really pay much mind to it. But after they put the sketch out of what looked like the person, last person talking to Chelsea, the police department just got flooded with information. But unfortunately, it was such a common look that everybody looked like this guy, apparently, like in 2014. It was the Bieber sway hair and some glasses with a little bit of, you know, facial hair. I guess the Bieber look was huge in 2014. Very common. The Bieber hair. (laughs) Uh, When they asked Mike if he recognized the guy, he stated that it looked like, you know, hundreds of people that he knew at bars, you know, parties, like... Everybody looked like that. It was just such a common look. He suggested maybe even talking to the band. Maybe they took off to Milwaukee. Maybe she left with him. She was kind of a free spirit type girl. Uh, But when the FBI got involved and they looked into it, the band was cleared and there was nothing leading that she left the state. So it's at this point that they decided to put a little bit more into, you know, Big Mike. Something about him, Chelsea's mom, just apparently, she just couldn't let it go yet. She wasn't 100% ready to clear his name. Now, on one hand, Mike is pretty cooperative, okay? Like, he's letting people on his property outside. He's helping with the search. He's answering questions. However, when the police asked if they could look inside his house, he said no. They're like, okay. They came back with a search warrant. And about 20 SWAT members, and he asked again, like, hey, do you want to do this easy way, the hard way? We have a warrant. May we come in? And at this point, he's like, my casa is your casa. Right. (laughs) He has no other choice, really. So they searched the house. They searched the fire pit. They're looking everywhere. You know, he said he was bummed that they kind of, like, left the house in disarray, but... They're looking for evidence of a missing girl. They're not really worried about how they leave your house. Yeah. Um, If you watch Dateline, which we do, and um, during this episode, there's an interview with Keith Morrison and Mike. And Mike seems almost like a little annoyed by this, which I stated I totally understand. But at the same time, there's a person's life at stake here. Just clear your name count you out as a suspect and let them move on. If they can count you out, then it's more time they can focus on other people. Yeah, just make it as easy as possible for them and yourself. So, next we have Harlan Bird. He's 19. Harlan gets a hold of the police department and volunteers information about Chelsea, describing her 
point down saying he's seen her at the party. She was kind of being a little harassed by a couple of guys. She was upset. Clearly wasn't having it. So he kind of jumped in, picked her up off the ground. was like, hey, you okay? He said she was bleeding. So uh, he got a little bit of blood on his t-shirt. He said, I'll be right back. He claims he didn't want to leave her. But at the same time, he was like... I'm not 100% sure like what to do with her either. Um, so he put her in a red four-door car. He said he wasn't even sure whose car it really was. He told her to sit still and he'd be back. But the time he got back about 15 minutes later, her and the car was gone. Okay, so a few problems with this. Maybe not put a distressed, disoriented, drunk young woman in a car if you don't know who it is. Or where it's going. So there's that. Yeah, like what if she just drove off? You know, even if there was no crime involved, like if she just took the keys and drove away. <laughs> just stole the car. car. <laughs> like, right. Like, she's like, I'm freaking over it. I'm just taking this car home. <laughs> I just want to go home. <laughs> I'll return it in the morning. <laughs> she leaves a piece of paper that says, I owe you. I'll be back. Right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so he claims, yeah, the vehicle and her were both gone. So detectives proceeded to push about the blood on the t-shirt. And he claims that his girlfriend slash fiance took it to the cleaners. And he asked if he could still be used, even if it was clean. And they're like, uh, no, not possible. We need the DNA off of it. They asked about her nose bleeding, and he just started to get tongue-tied and stuttered a little bit. There was holes in his story, and he's just like, I don't know, like weird things are just happening at this point during the interview. You know, something happened, and he's really nervous, and he's trying to cover it up. He's not getting the story straight, or he's lying about the whole entire thing. He gets to the point where the detectives ask, do you know Chelsea? Do you, were you even at the party? And ultimately, he apologized and said he lied. It was one big lie. He made the story up. He just wanted to look good. But what the fuck? I hate people like this. I know. And even though like, what he is meant- the point of that? Because he wanted to just, you know, look like he gave information. I don't know. Maybe he's hoping he'd get laid. But, dude, like, no, no, you're not going to get laid no. over that. Quite the opposite. <laughs> Especially so, now after everybody knows the truth. <laughs> yeah, even though he mentioned that he was lying and he called, it was all called bullshit, the cops now have wasted time to make sure that it was really the you know the best story that he's not covering up his ass for something else. Like, you know, you got to make sure he's not lying about lying at this point, you know? Right. And so they're frustrated, they're angry. The detectives are like, this young woman's life is at stake and now we have to deal with freaking this. Seriously, yeah, he's so, basically just wasting their time as they're trying to actually do a real investigation, and he's yep. just like distracting them. However, he did get himself arrested for being an idiot and a liar. Good. So at this point, they moved and they the checkpoint to an empty banking parking lot so they could get off Mike's property. Penny actually went to parts of Ohio at night to talk to some prostitutes in nightlife, just handing out flyers of Chelsea, asking if anybody had seen her or if they know anything about her. Um, 
her thought was maybe she was kidnapped and, you know, trafficking. It's not a joke, you know. No joke. Um, there's a dateline that actually featured Missing in America series, and it did put Chelsea's picture on that episode in hopes to bring her home. It's now Christmas, and... New Year's has come and gone, and there's no sign of Chelsea. It's now a week into the new year, and there's a break in the case. A woman from Ohio comes and says she has information. A woman named Carrie Carr stated that she had information. This woman is terrified. She's distraught. She claims that her ex-boyfriend pulled out a pocket knife, and it claims that this is the same knife he used on Chelsea. She told detectives that he was not only at the party, but he murdered Chelsea and then ultimately took her body and dumped it in a cemetery in Detroit. So they go, they find the guy from Ohio, they question him. He claims he's innocent. He says, listen, that's my ex-girlfriend. Carrie has problems. We've had problems for a long time. And ultimately... I believe she's doing this just to get me in some trouble. So the detectives go back, bring Carrie in, and they're like, listen, you know, he's going to come after me and my kids. He lives on the same block as me. I need to know that he's going to get locked up and we're going to be safe for me giving this information out. So the detectives do what they do, as they always do. And they go back, you know, back and forth with the ex-boyfriend. And so basically there's days of wasted time again with another dumbass again because it comes to find out that her story was a big fat lie who was just trying to get back at him because she was pissed off at him. Well, uh, now I'm pissed off a second time. So, I mean, what the hell, like... What are the two people now arrested for lying about the story? Like, and it's just like days of wasted time on these idiots. Like, I don't know how much so time ridiculous. they got, but I hope they got like a lot. I mean, not years, obviously, but you know. Yeah, enough for them to be like, hmm. I Maybe they probably can sit not there do this again. Finder. Yeah, that should be the seriously. That should be what it is. So at this point, the cops, firefighters, detective, FBI, volunteer, community members are out looking, waiting to hear from the detectives with everything and anything that they can. By this time, it's late March, five months later, about 2.3 miles from the party. Cheryl was doing some spring cleanup in her country road um, from the past winter, and she came across a red flat Mary Jane type shoes. And she tossed it into the garbage, like, you know, no big deal. She does clean up like this every year. She goes up and down the road and she claims that there's like so many things that she finds, random things. But when she gets home, her husband asked, what did you find this time? She's like, oh, nothing, just this red shoe. And he just looked at her and he's like, Cheryl, you don't think? And she's like, no, the FBI's been through here. How could they miss it? Like... How could they not have found it? So they turn it into detectives and detectives take a picture of it. They send it to Chelsea, Chelsea's mom and family. And they all confirmed that, yes, this is her shoe. Um, and her friends confirmed, yes, this is her shoe. 
By the way, it's a super cute red shoe from American Eagle. I had the same set. <laughs> Just want to put that in there. Um, Side and, note. And now it's looking worse for the worse for Chelsea at this point because where is the other shoe and where is Chelsea? So then there's Eric and his friend. Eric was a little bit in a bind. He needed some quick money. So him and his buddy decided to go searching for scrap metal. And they found this little abandoned, it's not really a house. It's just like a, I'm going to say a building. It just looks like a cement thing the size of like an old garage almost. I don't know. Hmm. It's hard to explain. You can just Google it. <laughs> um, so it's about 10 miles from Big Mike's house. And they went and they're looking around and they find some plywood and they pick it up. And underneath it is like a flake, fake plant looking thing. And Eric picks it up and he's like, I wonder what this is. And his buddy's like, oh, that's a poison ivy costume. Like, And then next thing they know, they notice a red wig next to it. And he put the costume back down. And he said at first they were actually planning on keeping the costume. Like, it's kind of a cool costume. But then they decided against it. So they just dropped it on the ground, put the wood back down, and continued on their way. About a week goes by, and Eric happens to see a flyer on a window as he walks by. And was like, oh, shit. I think I found that costume. I can't even imagine. Could you, like, even imagine how that would feel like you find this costume you have no idea and then you see this flyer and you're like oh my gosh i know I but it's so crazy that. too like what rock are you living under because this was national i mean i remember seeing it on the news and facebook and everywhere like i can't imagine being from the same town and not seeing that flyer you know what i mean right like, unless it just kind of like didn't phase him when he saw it on the news or whatever he wasn't like fully paying attention maybe so he says this is the dilemma. He didn't want to call the police because he touched it and well DNA. And at the same time, like it looks very bad. Like, how do you explain the coincidence that I was there and that I touched it, but I had nothing to do with her? Like, so he had lunch with his sister the following day and he told her everything. And she says, Well, we have an issue. And he's like, Yeah, I know I can't stop thinking about it. She's like, Well. Either you're going to call the police and tell them about it, or I'm going to call the police and tell them about it. But either way, we're calling the police to tell them about it. So Eric called the police. Yeah, I get that. Like, I get kind of his hesitation because his DNA is now on it. But at the same time, if they found it, which they probably eventually would, and his DNA was on it, that's going to look 10 times worse if he never, you know, told anybody. Right. Absolutely. So the police go and get the evidence. And it was the green leotard. It's a leotard. <laughs> that was like fancy way of saying it. It's French. <laughs> so it was, they found the green leotard and it did have the blood on it. And it had some other DNA. And it was also ripped at the crotch area. And then they did find the wig. Eric goes and sits down at the police. And you know, at first they're kind of like suspicious of them, you know, rightfully so. They're like, you know, it doesn't look great, you know, and he's like, I wasn't at the party, man. Like, I was at, I 
this is with my baby's mom or my babies. My baby's mom slash ex-girlfriend lives on posted war street, which that's where the shoe was found. But he swears he had nothing to do with it. He even gave his DNA and he was very on board with whatever they needed to do. So I think they kind of counted him out pretty quickly. But then the location where the poison ivy stuff is, um, you remember Harlan Bird? We talked about him a little bit ago. Um, the first faker liar, liar, pants on Oh, fire. yeah, the little punk. Yeah. So now his house is only 100 yards away from where the stuff is found. So is he lying about lying? So after... Too much lying for me. <laughs> <laughs> Too much lying happening for me. After intensely interviewing Harlan again, he swears he was lying about the whole thing. He made it up. He doubled down. He agreed to take a polygraph test, which he did pass ultimately. And he did do a DNA swab, which he did pass as well. Man. So really, he was just a liar, liar, pants on fire. Oh, either way, he's dumb. He's dumb. So now it's April 24th, 2014 in Carlton, Michigan. Um, that's about seven miles from my, Big Mike's house. There's a guy there. He starts you know, getting this property, he's building a new house. He needs to get some dirt ground started for the new place. So the truck pulls up and ultimately it gets stuck. So he goes out to see like, what is the deal? Like, why is my truck not moving? And he finds a body. They immediately call 911 and they said that, they, you know, they found a body. It's kind of mangled. Um, the face you can't even really see, but it has blonde hair which he said, I'm pretty sure it's that girl, Chelsea. Detectives immediately rushed out to collect the body. They did find one poison ivy leaf super close by. So it's kind of like, oh, that's kind of the seal of the deal. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Um, and the body was under some logs and sticks. Like it wasn't really buried, but it was like laying in some marshland, like, lazily buried you know um if the truck had not gotten stuck they would have dumped all that mud and dirt on it and her body probably would never have been found wow so that's how close yeah very close call so now detectives have to go and deliver the possible bad news to chelsea's parents even though tests aren't done yet the media was out there and they didn't want to hear it have them hear it on the news so they wanted them to like listen we're not a hundred percent but you know we're pretty sure and they might not have known but they knew you know i'm so, glad they called them because i know some stories in the past different police departments didn't let the families know and they found things out through the news which i feel like is yeah, was it that Amber right Alert story we did? Mm-hmm. Um, another one we did, too. Um, the mom found out through the news before the police told her. But yeah, so I'm glad that they let the family know because I feel like that would just be big punch to the gut. Yeah. yeah. So they do see Chelsea's DNA. Um, her blood was on the front of the costume. Also with a mixture of an anonymous DNA as well. And they have to go back in the see now if they can start getting swabs of DNA from people at the party. 
So they tried to get big mics, but he talks to his lawyer again. And the lawyer says, you don't have to if you don't want to. So he said, no, I'm not giving up my DNA. Now, he claims that he didn't want his DNA in the system. He knew his innocence. So he was pretty much just taking a stance on it, which, I mean, I get it. You know, you know, you're innocent, but that's kind of ballsy, you know, because it just doesn't make you look the greatest. But I guess I get why he would say I'm not giving it up because I, you know. Right. That's kind of a tough situation to be in. Yeah. Um, but it helped him move it along a lot faster if we just know it's not you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's now September's. 10 months after Chelsea's disappearance and the same guy that was doing the construction for the new house came across some more evidence. So he called the detectives back and when they went back this time, they found the red left shoe and they found her green tights. At this point, they now have her body, the leotard, the tights, the shoes, and the wig. Basically everything that she had on her that night. Now it's just a matter of finding like the killer. They get another tip about another guy who showed up on War Road and um, where her shoe was. And it turns out that he showed up drunk at 3 a.m. on a man's porch and he knocked on the door and told the guy he was drunk and he just needed a place to crash. And the guy's like, get the F out of here. You're not, no, you can't come in and sleep in my house. Like, <laughs> go away. Like, bro, right. you're drunk. <laughs> Well, the guy ends up passing out on his front porch for a little bit and then moved along his way. However, he left his black leather vest there and inside it had a rope and a knife in it. The owner of the house called the police and let him know what they found. And they ended up giving it back to him, the owner, to the vest. Um, he willingly came into the police station, answered some questions, took a DNA test. Um, while they're waiting for the analysts to come back with the answer, um, they get a call from forensics and they're like you need to come up here and they're like hold on we're in the middle of something they're like no you need to see this and they're like okay we'll be back well while that guy was on hold a dna sample was ran and they found a match on the leotard and it came up daniel clay now you guys are probably thinking who the hell is daniel clay let me tell you who Daniel Clay is. Daniel Clay is unemployed, freeloader, pot smoking, sleeping on everybody's couch that he can find, and like a dad of kids that he does nothing for. So clearly, nothing good. Daniel is back. Um, so back in May, he essentially was arrested for stealing a backpack full of tattoo equipment, which is considered a petty crime, but also a felony. So lucky for detectives, because in Michigan that year, they changed the law that if you were convicted of a felony, your DNA automatically goes into the CODIS system, C-O-D-I-S, Combined DNA Index System. Where it used to be, you had to be convicted of a felony. Now, if you're just arrested on a felony, it goes in the system. Ah, that's good. Yes. Yeah. So, now, 
bad timing, my dude. Bad timing. Yeah, bad, bad timing for him. <laughs> to be stealing tattoo equipment that's not yours. Here's an idea. How about you don't touch it? It doesn't belong to you. Go get a fucking job. Kindergarten stuff, man. So now, man, I wish I stole tattoo stuff in kindergarten. That'd be so cool. <laughs> Badass. <laughs> <clears throat> so sorry, people. So now they got to find out who Daniel Clay is because Daniel does not have his own home or address because he's a bum who jumps from trailer to trailer. So detectives do what they do and they realize they can get him on unpaid child support because he does have a warrant out for that. Um, now it's just a matter of finding him, which they do. They spot him, essentially. They go up, they knock on the door in the plan to arrest him. But, however, Daniel thinks he's like some like super cool, moving, badass guy who can run out the back door. But the police aren't born yesterday. They had two uniforms out there and, well, gotcha, motherfucker. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, they didn't see that coming, you know? Right. <laughs> so, now we're 21 months into it. It's July 2016. So, they get Daniel to the police station, and they are still kind of letting it ride that he was ultimately arrested for back child support. And he says, can I call my baby mama to let her know, like, I'm going to jail for unpaid child support? Uh, Detective Predmore let him know that there's still a little bit more they need to talk about. And Daniel denies knowing Chelsea or even talking to her, meeting her. Like at this point, is like, who's Chelsea? He missed being at the party, but said he left around 11. Um, after prying and prodding, he eventually says, okay, yeah, I did have sex with somebody, but I don't remember who it was. He claims that he's just a happy, peaceful guy. His motto is smoking pot and having sex. He's just a free spirit. <laughs> Whatever, dude. You're just a douchebag. For real. Time goes on and conversations are had and they talk about DNA and they told him that, you know, we have your DNA, you know, so do you want to go and still denied the Chelsea thing and he doubles down, you know, and he says, you know, he doesn't know her. And then they're like, come on, come on. He's like, okay, well, like I might've had sex with her, but it was consensual, man. Like she got out of the car and walked into the night and that's the last I seen her. She was up walking when I seen her, she was a hundred percent alive. I swear. Okay. Cause that means everything. So he's like, um, you, we got some DNA. Now, Daniel's thinking like semen, right? So that's why he's just going on about having sex with her. But mm -hmm. it wasn't semen DNA that they had. I mean, I'm sure there was some there. But it was skin DNA. So after Detective explained the skin particles being ripped from her crotch of her leotard, and that was the DNA that they were talking about. He kind of panicked a little. Um, and he was like, it was consensual. It might have been a little rough, but again, she was alive. And he's tightening up and, you know, they can see they're starting to lose him. So the detective makes up a story 
um, to keep him calm and keep him talking and kind of manipulate him a little bit. He's like, you know, Brittany's got brittle bone disease. Nobody knew that, but Brittany's mom and Brittany. And now, you know, she told us. And he's like, yeah, okay, okay. I heard that. You know, I broke my hand once because I have that too, you know. And they're just like, what the fuck ever. <laughs> so that's when Daniel started talking and opening up a little bit more again. And he said, okay, so we're driving on the road after we had sex the first time I'm driving on the road and I see her again and I pull over and she hops back in the car and she wants to have sex again, but he claims she wants to be choked while she has sex. And he says like, I got girlfriends that like to be choked. So I, I, I know how to do it properly. <laughs> oh this guy so it must have been the brittle bone disease that when I choked her maybe I choked her too hard and she just went limp and when I noticed that she went limp I got on top of her and I like slapped her face I kind of got you know trying to get her to wake up I attempted CPR for a quick minute and then it failed um, so I just drove into the back seat with her in the back seat, and I found a place by the railroad tracks and dragged her about 500 feet from there and buried her through some logs and sticks on top of her. And then that was it. I don't know how her costume got into the abandoned building, he said. She was put together when I left her. I don't well, think that story really... changed, uh, like escalated quickly. Um, very much, but I feel like there's more to it, and I don't think anybody's ever gonna really know what happened that night. Yeah, I don't think that she was probably willingly wanting to get with this guy. No, I think she said no and he snapped. Mm -hmm. So if you remember in the beginning of the story, we talked about Becky who worked um, with Chelsea and Olga. They went to the party together. Well, turns out her co-worker of Becky, Jessica, was working with her and she got a phone call from her baby's dad who happened to be. Oh, no. Daniel Clay. And he says, I'm going to jail, and I'm going to jail for a long while. She got off the phone. She's distraught. She's bawling her eyes out. She has to tell Becky, you know, she's like, it's my baby's dad. I'm so sorry. Like, And Becky is just like, it's so crazy how it's just like one person away from outside our circle. You know what I mean? Like that close. Right. Like they weren't, they didn't know each other. They weren't close, but he was literally right there. Yeah. So now Daniel claims that for unintentional or accidental death, if you will, he claims that he choked her during sex, but he did not intentionally mean to kill her. So he's pleading not guilty to her murder. The prosecution is going full blown murder because you see it takes 30 seconds for somebody to pass out from like being air blocked or choked or whatever. But it takes two and a half minutes to actually die from it. See the difference? Yeah. So if she passed out, maybe he should have stopped if that was actually the case. So the process, and even if she would have passed out, she would have woke back up and would have still been breathing. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that means he would have had to have been doing that for over two minutes. Yeah. So the prosecution is going with, this is what probably happened. It was dark. She'd been drinking. She was alone, probably scared, walking. 
Daniel pulled up, asked if she'd like a ride. He probably seemed like, I mean, it's a small city, small town. Maybe he re she recognized him, friend of a friend type deal, you know? She right. felt probably like, this is all I have. So desperate, like, yes, I'll take the ride. Unfortunately, he wanted more than she wanted to provide. When she turned down the sexual advance, he snapped, got angry, decided he was going to take what he wanted, went a little too far, and ultimately killed her. Now, I'm going to put some of the pieces of this puzzle together for you. Um, so during court, they flipped her uniform inside out, the leotard, and it showed like a devastating amount of bloodstains on the inside, which would go along with, they did say she had a broken jaw. Um, her face was pretty much, she was hit with a blunt object in her face. Um, so that would have been where all the blood came from. They said that at some point the customers ripped off her from the crotch and probably over her head to get it off of her. That's where the skin particles from Daniel would have popped up. Defense want to say that she took it off and she ripped it herself to have sex with him or cut it. Her attorney and her friends were like, no way. She worked for months making that costume. She was so proud of that costume. She was not going to destroy it just for some quick sex. The prosecution grilled Daniel, stating that they would have found evidence on her face and bruised and blood and tortured if they would have found Chelsea, if he would have called 911. Now, he claims, no, 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 I swear, I swear. It was an accident. You know, obviously, it wasn't the smartest move dumping her body, but that's what he did. Um, couldn't at least dump her at a hospital, you know, in hopes of trying to save <laughs> right. her. Right. Um, yeah, if he claims he wasn't doing it for, like, ill intentions, he would have definitely gone about it a little bit in a different yeah. way. And that would be why he never called the police. You know, he yeah. buried it instead and was done with her. Daniel claims otherwise. He said it was an accident. He got scared. He kept driving. Um, he, you know, drug her, dropped her five or six times while he dragged her into the dumping spot. Can you imagine her family having to hear that? That's horrible. Not only did you kill her, but now you dropped her body like six times as you're dragging her through the woods. Um, he claims that's how her face got bruised up when he dropped a log on her face to bury her. At one point, he stated that he was drunk and he was high and he thought it was a bad dream. He didn't even think it was real until he woke up the next morning and saw that she was missing all over Facebook. But again, still said nothing. Um, after less than a day of collaborating, the jury came back for a verdict. Count one, first degree murder, not guilty. And you could hear the courtroom like, what's happening? What's going on? But wait, felony murder, count one, guilty. Okay, good. I heard you gasp. Yeah. Concealing the death of an individual, guilty. Two months later... Um, in a courtroom full of people, everybody wore purple in honor of Chelsea's favorite color. The family um, wanted to be there for his sentencing. The judge laid it out hard and called him a rapist, a liar, and a murderer. And with that, he, he was sentenced to life without the chance of parole. Good. 
But if you think that's the end, might give me one more second of your time, okay? In June of 2017, Daniel is convicted for another sexual assault. That came, someone came forward. He had not been convicted in a prison or found guilty for Chelsea's murder. I believe there would be like so many more victims. Oh, yeah, because if he kept thinking he could get away with it, he would just keep doing it more and more and it would just get worse and worse. As for Mike, he still holds the annual Halloween parties, but he's moved it to a club in Detroit now. He still gets some kind of wonky looks and whispers. He says that, you know, um, he doesn't have the heart to throw the party at the farm anymore just because, you know, what happened happened. But he wishes people could see that a bad thing happened, but it wasn't him. He had nothing to do with it. It was just a terrible circumstance that it was at his party that she disappeared. Becky Nora Penny returns to Mike's parties anymore. It's just too hard of memories to hump. Oh, yeah. I don't think I could go back if that all happens, my friend. So that is a sad story of Chelsea Brooke. Oh, that's horrible. I'm glad that he's going to rot in prison for the rest of his life, as he should. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I it's a lot of mixed feelings because you want to feel bad for her friend. Um, but at the same time, I'm just like, oh, come on, ladies. <laughs> I know. Hopefully moving forward, she corrected her actions on how she handles like, you know, situations like that. If she even goes out anymore, I can't. I feel like I couldn't go out anymore if that happened. But yeah. Yeah, it's just like one different decision would have completely changed the outcome. I know. And you have to, I I do feel terrible. I feel like she thinks about that every day of her life. Like, that's kind of like her her own purgatory. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, so that is like a really sad part of it. Because obviously she didn't have bad intentions. It wasn't like she was part of it or thought that this would even happen it's just unfortunate that you know it turned out the way it did and they were in a small town that doesn't have a ton of crime so i mean yeah so and you never expect that that's gonna happen to you you don't like you really don't which is scary but it's true nobody thinks that any of that's gonna happen to them until or anybody they know until it does right Well, happy Halloween, creepies. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> right. Um, if you go out, just buddy up. Stay with your buddies. Stay with your friend. Keep in communication. Wear costumes where you can keep your phone. Exactly. That's the takeaway if you are getting anything out of this episode. Yep. Well, um, I hope you. As I said, did you get a chance to start any of the shows I sent you? Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. Well, then we'll talk about them next week. And I can't remember the one of the names. So I'm going to get that from you after. Okay. So I told her to watch Suburban Screams. And we'll find out next week if she did her homework. And we'll talk about it. 
crazy yes. stuff crazy 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 and there's another one you told me to watch with lisa oh yes behind her eyes that yeah, one's just effed yeah. up dude <laughs> seriously it's been a long time since i'm like what the i text my cousin wtf i'm calling you tomorrow <laughs> i know i need to get on that like your reactions alone both of yours it's like okay i need to watch that yep yep so um hopefully next week chris will be caught up and we can talk about one of those shows yes i will do my homework (laughs) but i think i am all that i got to give i'm sick you gave us a lot you pushed through the sickness low we appreciate it (laughs) i'm gonna go crawl into bed now and go to sleep good and hopefully not have any crazy dreams no hopefully not hopefully you have peaceful sleep you wake up feeling better on that note i got to go stay creepy and stay well (laughs) bye (laughs) Bye. and don't trick or treat without your phone and always stay in communication okay bye-bye